I am deviating a little bit this morning from our regular series that we are in, which is Understanding Hard Scriptures, so-called, in the Bible. And uh, to, today I want to talk to you uh, about Christian men. This is Father's Day, and I want to talk to you about our Christian men that serve God, walk with the Lord, and live for the Lord in this crazy world that we're living in. And I'm just going to talk to you from my heart, if I can do that here this morning. And uh, just, I want to say also that we enjoyed a wonderful time yesterday afternoon over at Tom Bealey's house. They had a big cookout over there and just a bunch of guys there from the church. And a lot of men did not go. I looked around for some of them that didn't go, but there was a big crowd that was there. So when I got to thinking about, boy, this church has got some good men in it. And I just want to say this. I don't think you go anywhere in the world and find a better church than this church with good Christian men. Amen. I mean that with all my heart. And I want to talk to you here today about what it means to be a Christian man. And uh, this is one of the positions of life that's being challenged more today than ever before. And I highly respect our men who stand for God, who walk with God, and who serve the Lord. There's something about uh, being a, a Christian man that we, dis- we establish that early on in life, right from the very beginning, from get-go. When we come to the Lord, we decide, you know what, I'm going to live for God, I'm going to serve the Lord, I'm going to do what's right. And I want to uh, start out by reading a scripture found over in 1 Kings 2.1. And this is what David, King David, had to say to Solomon when he knew that his time was up and that he would be... Uh, going on to meet to meet his God and receive his reward. And uh, he wanted to give some final words to his son, Solomon. And here's what he said, First Kings 2 and 1. I'm going to read 1 down through 3. And if you look at these verses of Scripture with us, Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. Isn't that something for him to say at the very end? He's fixed the last words that he's going to say to his son. He says to him, be strong like a man. Be a man. And uh, it wasn't just being this kind of a man, but it was being man in character, in leadership, in quality of life, And not being afraid to resist evil for the good things of God. And he goes on to say then after that in verse 3. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God. That's part of it. Be strong and show thyself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God. To walk in his ways. To keep his statutes and his commandments. And his judgments and his testimonies. And I read this to you. And we could go ahead and he goes on down here about. Different things. Finally, down in verse 10, it says, And David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. But he left this message, and the very first thing, the outset of it all, was that he said, said to him, Be strong like a man. Be show thyself a man. And I just want to let you know here that this is something that's very important for all men to know that you've got to be a, just got to be a man about life. And I'm going to talk to you about that here a little bit here today. Also over in the New Testament, over in 2 Thessalonians, this is Paul when he's finishing up 
his epistle to the epistle to, to the epistle uh, to the uh, Corinthians, for a second Corinthians, I mean, and to the Corinthians, and he had written First Corinthians and Second Corinthians, and now he was finishing up his statement and the last things he would say to these Corinthian people that he's writing to, sixteen thirteen, last chapter in the thirteenth verse. He said, "Watch ye, stand fast in the faith." Quit you like men. Be strong. Well, isn't that something to say? The final farewell of Paul, he said to them, be a man about life. Stand up. Be strong. And he says, stand fast for the faith. The word quit here comes, uh, is taken from the Greek. The Greek word in quit, in the, as it's translated back in the, into our Bible, in the quit, comes the word be masculine or be mannish. Be managed like a man. Be be masculine. And the reason he's saying that is because men are leadership. They are leaders. They're leaders in their home. They're leaders in their community. You're the leaders in this church. The men are. Therefore, it's important that men not be milly-mouthy, wishy-washy, uh, not decisive, not understanding what what's what, but know what's going on and be abreast of situations and circumstances, and to take a stand for the things that are right. Praise the Lord. Now, as you well know, I'm a very strong believer in all these kind of things. Now, I want to read one other verse of scripture found over in Joshua, and uh, this is found in Joshua chapter 24 and 14, and it's when Joshua, and many of you are familiar with this passage of scripture, but when Joshua was finishing up his life, and he had led the children of Israel into Canaan's land. Moses had already died. Joshua had taken the helm. He led the children of Israel into Canaan's land, crossed the Jordan River, fought the battles, fought against the enemy, conquered the territory, and then finally came to the place where he said, okay, it's, it's all over with. We've conquered the land. Now we're going to have to settle down, farm the land, grow our vineyards, live here, so forth. And this is what he says here in 2414, 2414 in the word of God. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood. The other side of the flood has reference to the Euphrates and the Tigris River back when they were over in ancient Babylon before Abraham ever came out, his ancestors. They all lived in that area, and that's called before the flood, not the flood of Moses. I mean, I mean the, the flood of Noah, but it was the flood, speaking of that area that was always, they always had floods, and it was called that. And uh, it said on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, in other words, we were your forefathers before they came out of Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. Put away those other gods, he said. Verse 15, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Now, if you want to do that, you go ahead and do that. That's up to you. But then he goes on to say here, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Praise the Lord. In other words, my mind's made up. That's what I'm going to do. God's brought us this far. He's been faithful. He's never failed us. I'm going to serve him. Praise God. In verse 16, and the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. And then finally they conclude in verse 18, I'm saving time here by jumping over to this 18th verse. Uh, 
They went on to say the same thing that Joshua had said, that he'd brought us out and saved us and all. Finally, 18, and the Lord drove out from or drove out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore, will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. So we, they were making a commitment. Joshua, just like you're saying, I'm going to serve the Lord. We are making a commitment to serve the Lord. Now, I read that to say this to you here today. Brethren, and I'm speaking to our men here today, make a fast commitment. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to be a Christian. Praise the Lord. I don't care what anybody else does. I've made up my mind. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to be a child of God. And I'm going to be a man of God. And I want you to know that the Lord will be with you. He will stand with you. He'll keep his hand on you. Praise the Lord. And he'll always be with you in all things that you face, all the troubles that you face and everything that you come up against. Praise God. And uh, I just want to say this. Be assertive in righteousness. Things that are right. Be assertive in that. Uh, Be faithful to God. Be faithful to the Lord. Be assertive in righteousness. Can I tell you something today? You know, Hollywood is trying to set the course for how we think, how we act, how we live, what we believe. And so is all this modern television. I'm, I'm just being real honest with you here today. I'm talking from my heart. And we men need to stand against some of that junk that is coming out over those airways that's just that's no good you know most of us guys think well the the chick flick you know stories the women you know it's all about families and and relationships and how's grandma susan doing you know and all of that and that's maybe a little boring to men so guys go looking for something with a little action if they want to watch something on tv they want to watch a movie or something in tv they go looking for something with action Brethren, can I just tell you the violence, the violence that is on TV today and in the movies is horrible. It is horrible. I I heard this this morning even that there was some shooting out in California yesterday. Yesterday, I, I I haven't seen it on the news or nothing. Somebody walks in and shoots somebody or two guys get in an argument in a junior store or some kind of store, convenience store, and one shoots the other one. I don't know the whole detail to it, so I'm, uh, if I don't get it right, excuse me for being so. But I'm just saying that this is what we're hearing more and more about this violence. And on TV and in movies and things, they show violence like it's nothing. You know, they show somebody go bang, 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 bang. Brrr, a bunch of people fall down and they're supposed to be dead, you know. And, it's, and, and children growing up see all that stuff and they think, well, I guess that's what you do nowadays. You shoot, you bang, you fire, you mow down. You know, it's all okay. And it's getting where that we have become numb to violence. Numb to violence. Now, the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the day of the coming of the Son of Man. Let me show you something over here in Genesis. I... Uh, I just want to read this verse of scripture here to you. This is in Genesis 6, 11. 6, 11, and this is describing the condition of the world before the Lord had Noah build the ark. 
and say, no, I'm going to destroy the earth by water. This is the condition that was going on, and it's described in the sixth chapter of the book of Genesis. This is 611. It says, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. You've got a pen, underline the word violence. The earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Verse 13, and God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence. Notice that, twice it states that. The earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now, I'm only reading that to show you here that this was one of the conditions of the world in Noah's day when God said, I'm going to destroy man and you build the ark and you and your family will be saved and so forth. And I'll raise up a whole population of humanity following you, you and your sons and your, and your wives. And, and he was trying to say to them, this because of the violence. And this is what I'm beginning to see in America a lot today. It's like violence is wholesale. So I'm saying to our men, brethren, Let's not be caught up in that stuff. If this violent, nobody, we don't need to look at violence, you know. So I'm just throwing that in for what it's worth. But be assertive in righteousness. Stand up for what's right and be faithful to God. Praise the Lord. Be a true Christian. Represent Jesus Christ. Wherever you work, represent Jesus Christ. On the job, represent Jesus Christ. In your community, represent Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid to do that. Be a man. Praise the Lord. Be, you know, quit yourself like men and say, I'm standing for the things that are of God. Praise God. And I'm just saying here today that more and more is going to require of us men to be Christian men and to be real men and stand up for what's right and not succumb to all of this uh, mess that's coming our way and everything in the world. Let me just mention a few things here to you here. Don't smoke cigarettes. You say, Brother Myers, Christian men don't smoke cigarettes. Eh, I think there's a few a few men in this church that still wants to smoke a cigarette now and then. Hey, get rid of that mess. Get rid of that man. What kind of man are you? You can't get rid of a cigarette. A cigarette's more powerful than you are. Come on. I mean, get rid of it. And if you're and if someone like that's not here this morning, make sure they get the tape. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Don't smoke cigarettes. And uh, don't drink. I got to have my beer once in a while. I got to have a bottle of beer at the end of the day when I get. Forget it. Amen. Leave it all alone. Praise the Lord. You know, just, I mean, don't, don't mess with it. Praise God. Just, you can walk away from it. People that think they got to have a little alcohol, a little alcohol. Hey, had a woman here one time came to, this is a woman that did this. She came to the church. And she was an alcoholic. And, uh, and she wanted to be delivered from alcoholism. And I said, her husband came to me and said, my wife wants to be delivered from alcoholism. I said, all right, we're going to pray for it. So she came, <laughs> she came down to the altar and everything. And I said, I'm going to pray for you now. And I said, I'm going to pray that God delivers you from alcoholism. And from this day on, I don't want you to ever touch any more alcohol drinks of any kind. I'm going to pray for you that God will deliver you from it. And she said to me, Brother Myers, 
I want to be able to drink once in a while, but I just want to be delivered from alcoholism where I'm not addicted to it. She didn't want to be addicted to it, but she wanted to be able to drink it once in a while if she wanted to. I said, you've already lost the battle right here. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. So I'm just saying here, and believe me, when you pray for people at the altar, you get some funny experiences like that. But I'm just saying here, make up your mind. I'm not going to touch anything. No alcohol, no drugs, no drugs. Forget drugs, throw them away. (coughs) Some of them are maybe be across the counter stuff. Don't go popping pills every time you feel a little pain in the head or pain in the foot or something. Go pop it. I'm just, well, I'm just, this is Bishop Myers rattling off here this morning. But I'm just saying, brethren, we are leaders. We're the leaders of our community. We're the leaders in our church. We're the leaders uh, in our families. Praise the Lord. And we have to be real men about things because God knows that there is a lack of this real manhood stuff going on today. There's a lack of it. And it's getting more and more aware that everything is, is drifting into this kind of a stuff here. Don't listen to dirty jokes. You, all you men listen. You don't have to raise your hand. All you men listening to me, don't listen to dirty jokes. Walk away from them. Don't tell dirty jokes. Amen. Don't tell dirty jokes. That's not where you are. That's not your life. That's not where you belong. I know you're out there in a man's world. I know that, but you don't go. <laughs> no, no, no. No, you don't have to act goofy and laugh at some dirty joke or something. Amen. Just, just walk away from it. No, no, thank you. No, thank you. That's not me. I, praise the Lord. They thank you, Jesus. You know, you walk away and say, praise the Lord. They say, what's wrong with him? That's all right. He's a Christian. Oh, boy, is he ever. Yes, he is ever. Praise God. But that's what we Christian men really need to stand for the things of God and stand up for the Lord and not get involved in all these kind of things here. Don't use foul language. Don't use bad language. Don't don't slip up on anything. Forget the slipping up part. Just forget it. Don't ever do it. Don't ever use foul language of any kind. You say, well, I really got mad. I, that doesn't, that's no excuse. Don't use any foul language. Forget it. It's never, it's not, it'll never come out your mouth. Praise the Lord. And don't listen to foul language on TV. If you do, next thing you know, you're slipping up saying something. Don't even listen to it. Praise God. Somebody says something on the, you know, and, and the Bible says, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Do you know why? That's why some people use, say Jesus Christ. And they're not saying it like they're worshiping God either. They say Jesus Christ because they're saying it in vain. That's what that means. And the reason they're doing it is because they don't believe Jesus Christ is God. And so they say Jesus Christ is almost like a, a slap in Jesus' face that I'm, I'm going to use your name in vain. You see that on, if you ever see that on television, just switch it off. Anybody that uses the name of the Lord, they think, oh, that's not saying, that's not saying a nasty word. It may not be nasty, but it's definitely blasphemous. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about men being men, Christian men, standing up for God, standing up for truth, standing up for righteousness. And brethren, more than ever before, that's what we need to be. We need to be that in this, this crazy mixed up world that we're living in and the things that's going on around us and everything. And God knows that we need to have this uh, in our hearts and souls. Praise God. Now I'm going to say one other thing. I want all you ladies to put your fingers in your ears. Not really, but 
I'm talking to the men on this one. Don't look at other women. Don't look at other women. Let me give you a Bible for it if you don't, if in case you need that. <laughs> Let me give you a Bible for it. I want you to turn to Job for a moment. Where is it? Where is Job? Look at Job 31.1. Job 31.1. And men, every man, in the, every man in church ought to put a ring around this verse. Don't ever forget it. And there's other verses, but this is just one that's just so very pronounced. I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I look upon a maid? I made a covenant with my eyes. In other words, I made up my mind. I'm talking to men here this morning. You ladies just relax and, and just take it easy and say, you know, preach on Bishop Myers. But let me just say this. Make a covenant with your eyes. That's what I don't do. You know, I don't do that. And don't be caught in those situations. One time I was trying to lose weight and I drive down the road and I'd have to go by this donut shop. And I love these Krispy Kreme donuts. I'd stop and get a cup of coffee and eat a, eat a couple of donuts. And I said, I got to lose some weight. And I, so I said, I want to get one. So I got one Krispy Kreme donut. And somebody said, you know, the cake donuts don't have near as much sugar in them as the, as the, as the, as the, the other ones, the, the, the Krispy Kreme, what are flaky donuts? Okay, so I saw, okay, I'll get, I'll get a, uh, a, I'll get the bready, the bread, that, what did I just say? I'll get that bread donuts. I'll get that. And I still wasn't losing weight. <laughs> and you know what I finally did? I quit going by that store. I went another way. I drove another way. I'm serious, because every time I drive by, I'd say, you know, one of them cake donuts, they, they won't hurt me, you know, and pull in there and get a cup of coffee. And cook. I finally, I quit doing that, and I said, I'm not even going to go by this way. Some things, folks, you just don't go that way no more. I'm serious. Man, I'm talking to you. Praise the Lord. You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. If ever in this situation like that, you just don't go that way. I'm talking to the men here today because you're the most powerful men on the face of the earth. You don't know it, but you are. You represent Jesus Christ in this world for the kingdom of God. And you're a leader to your family, to your home, to your community, in everything that you do. And we can't fail in that. That's why I'm talking so firmly here about it today. We dare not fail. In these kind of things, we've got to take a stand. We've got to do what's right. So in all these things, praise the Lord, just take a stand and be truthful and be honest and be above board about all things. Uh, the Bible says uh, we're the salt of the earth. We're the salt of the earth. And uh, let me have you turn to that verse of scripture. Look in Matthew, if you would, from uh, Matthew 5. And... Uh, I'll get there in a second. Look at 5. This is 5, uh, 5.13. Notice this. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, that's his savor is his flavor and his effects. If the salt has lost his favor or his savor or his flavor or his whatever makes him salty and desirable, 
You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his faith. Notice he calls the, the salt his. In other words, he's referring to people here. He's not talking about salt. He didn't say that the salt has lost its savor. He says his savor. Wherefore, with it, it shall it shall be salted. It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden underfoot of men. So he says, you're the salt of the earth. Salt is a preservative. It's a preservative, folks. Not only does it make things taste good, but salt is also a preservative. Salt meat. Uh, you know, how many of you know what salt meat is? The old timers, that's the way they used to preserve things. They salted it down. You can salt it down real good and everything, and it'll stay for months and months that way. Hanging out in an old woodshed outside and nothing will touch it. And father brings out a big old piece of salt meat in and bangs it and gets all the salt. The fellow used to say that was lamb bacon. He lambed it against the wall and knocked all the salt off of it. Yeah. <laughs> lamb bacon. But anyhow, then they slice it up, make bacon and fry it and so forth, you know. But I'm just saying that's, that was salt meat, you know. Salt was a preservative and it is a salt. It is a preservative. And we are preservative in this world. I think that we don't realize how much we hold back the judgments of God on this world by our Christian living and our walk with God and our faithfulness to the Lord and our prayers and our worship. And when you come to church, don't be the last one to worship God. Don't be the last one. Don't say, yeah, I'm going to worship God, you know, when, when I feel like it. No, no. You go to church, you say, I'm going to worship God. My wife may not, the kids may not yet, but they're going to see me worshiping God because I'm a leader of the family. And when we go to church, we need to be a worshiper of the Lord. Praise God. I'm serious. We men need to, and we need to be prayer warriors. We need to be prayer. We shouldn't be the last. We should be the first. Amen. Uh, In some, uh, in some churches, I won't spell out denominations or different, not even Protestant, but I'm talking in some Christian churches, let me put it that way. The women are the leaders. The women are the ones who go to church and the ones that, you know, do the thing and all that. And the men, they just sort of stay away from it until there's a funeral or a wedding and then they'll show up or something like that. You know, and uh, that's not, that's not what it's all about. We are the leaders for Christ that he wants us to praise the Lord Go to church. Don't stay home. Go to church. Be faithful. Go to church. Say, we're going to church. As for me and my house, you say, you say, as for me and my house, we're going to church. Not just, we will live for God, but we're going to church. And just be a regular church goer, faithful as you can be. Praise God. And I want you to know God will bless us and he'll honor us in it. And he'll always stand for truth and he'll always keep his hand on you for we're the salt of the earth. And then verse 14 says, you're the light of the world. I'm still reading here in Matthew 5, 14. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. So he's trying to say here, be a good man, live for God, serve the Lord, do the things that are right, praise the Lord, and let that goodness from you be seen by everybody else. Praise the Lord. Not hypocritical like you're flaunting it and you're showing it off and all that. No, no. But men will see what kind of person you are and you'll influence other people more than you'll ever realize by being what we are. Praise the Lord. 
go to church, worship God, be faithful unto the Lord. And I'm going to add one other thing here. Pay your tithes. I'm talking to men here. Talking to the men here. Pay your tithes. Be faithful. on. I, I don't know of anybody that's not. I'll be honest with you. Let me read from Malachi here. This is Malachi 3.8. Let me just say this to all of our men here. And it applies to the latest too, of course. But all men, to be a real Christian man, and going to church and worshiping God and clapping your hands and praising the Lord and lifting your hands up and all that we do, and then walking out there and living for God out there, when we go out among other men and other people, we're a Christian out there. Be faithful to God in your finances. And tithes, where it all starts with tithes. Abraham did. The Bible talks about Isaac, talks about Jacob being very faithful. He made a commitment. God, I'll always do that. Pay your tithes. That's 10% of your income. Give it, to the, give it to God. And I'm telling you, folks, God can make it multiply more than you can do with the 90 that's left you. I'm serious. I'm serious. You've got his blessings on you. You don't have his blessings on you. I mean, you can run into all kinds of trouble. He told, he told those Jews one time, he says, he says, you're like you've got holes in your bag. You're putting money in your little bag and trying to build up a little treasure just and you walk along and the money is dropping out the bottom because you've got holes in it. You don't really have holes in it like you do because things are just not working out right because you don't pay your tithes. Now, let me read this verse of scripture. Three, eight. Boy, it's gotten quiet in here now. <laughs> All you men say, praise the Lord. God bless you. Amen. Love you guys. I'm telling you. This is 3.8 now. Well, a man robbed God, yet you have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? And then he answers it in tithes and offerings. Let me say one thing here. When God asks a question, he always gives you the answer. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. When the devil asks a question, he doesn't give an answer. Hath God said, in the day that ye of this fruit, you shall surely die? Hath God said? You know, he, Satan will try to question the word of God. He'll try to question things in your heart and your mind and leave it with a big question, big question. Don't let him do that to you. When God ever asks a question, question he always answers it just like that and here's what here's a case it says here will a man rob god and he says but you say wherein have we robbed thee and then he answers it in tithes and offerings that's how you've robbed god rob i robbed god i mean they said what me rob god i how can i rob god i'm not gonna rob god yeah you do in tithes and offerings then look at verse nine you are cursed with a curse wow in other words, the opposite of being blessed, you're cursed. I didn't put that in there. You're cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. This is the Lord talking to Malachi and Malachi telling the people what God is saying. Then he says in verse 10, bring ye all. Put a ring around the word all. Tithes is 10%. It's not nine or eight or five. It's all. Bring ye the tithe, all the tithes. Into the storehouse. Well, let's see. I'm going to give 5% to the church. Then I'm going to give 5% to the TV evangelist. <laughs> or I'm going to give uh, 3% to the church, 3% to grandma, 
and another 2%. You know, don't, not that. All the tithes go to the house of God. And you say, well, Brother Byers, you know, what if grandma needs something? Or what if somebody needs something? You do that extra. Extra. Because God can, God can bless you. He can, he can pour out blessings. That's not hard for God to do. And that's what faith is all about. Tithe, paying tithes is faith. Amen. Giving to God is faith. faith. Praise the Lord. You just do it. Because it's a need. This, I mean, not a need, but it's a requirement of God that we do that. So he says, be strong in all the tithes. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. that There may be meat in mine house and prove me. Prove me. Now herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Man, that's quite a statement. I'm going to bless you so that you'll be blessed beyond what you ever thought you would be blessed. And then look at verse 11. This is a little added tack on part with God's word here. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your, your vine cast her fruit before the time of the fields, saith the Lord of hosts. You say, Brother Myers, I don't have any vines, I don't have any fruit in the fields. I don't have no, but you do have an automobile, you do have a house, you do have, you know, plumbings, electricity. I mean, you know what, what I'm talking about. In other words, let God be your friend. Let God help you, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, any one of us, and I hate to even say it, any one of us can get in an automobile this afternoon, drive down the street and get in a car accident. You want God on your side all the time. Don't say, oh, I don't need God. I don't need God. I mean, I can tell you stories of people in this church that have car accidents and they didn't know how in the world they came out of it. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> came out of it without a scratch. My daughter, I never will forget years ago when she was a teenager, she's she pulled up behind a, a car. She was at a stoplight. Pulled up behind a car that was in front of her and pulled up at this stoplight. And all of a sudden, there was a, a crash. And she closed her eyes and said, oh, God, like this. And she was just sitting still. And when she, when she opened her eyes, one of the cars in the wreck was behind her and the other one was in front of her. And her, she wasn't touched. Uh, she just had some glass shattered on the car from one of the other cars. She wasn't even touched. She doesn't know this day how she was not touched. You know, uh, somebody here recently had a car accident and, and uh, they just walked away from it. Your pastor, you know, flipped in three times in 75 down in that medium island, flipped and rolled over and everything, walked away from it, got it and walked out. Standing on the side of the road there waiting for some ambulance. They called the ambulance to come. They said, where's the guy that was in this car? I said, I'm him. No, no, you can't possibly be in this car and just walk away. But you understand what I'm saying? You want God on your side. Let's lift our hands and worship him right now. Let's do it. I feel the Holy Ghost. Jesus, bless everyone in this church right now. Keep your hand on them, Lord. Protect us all. Keep us in the name of Jesus. We glorify and praise you, Jesus, for your many blessings upon us. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'm talking to our men here this morning. Brethren, whatever you see that's right, do it. Just do it. If you want to do something for God, just do it. Teach a home Bible study. You know, knock on some doors, invite people to church. Uh, just 
When you see the need, just do it. Just do it. Praise God. You know, David killed Goliath. You all know that. This is the 13th chapter of 1 Samuel. You can read about it sometime. That's the 13th, I think it's 18, 18th chapter. 1 Samuel, you read all about David killing Goliath. Did you know nobody ever told David to do that? Did you know God didn't speak to David and said, go kill Goliath? He wasn't obeying a command from God. He was just went down there and took some bread and some uh, and some cheese and some food to his brothers and and said, take a little bit. His father said, take a little bit to the king, Saul also. He went, down, hi, guys, how you doing? What are you doing? How are you doing? And he's just down there happy to be there and think, oh, man, this is the army of God. And then steps out Goliath and makes that big roaring challenge. And then all of a sudden he says, why doesn't somebody step out and take on the guy? They didn't. So he said, I'll do it. David said, I'll do it. You're not a warrior. You're not a fighter. Yeah, but he's insulting the things of God. He saw a need and he stepped into the, he just stepped out. Praise the Lord. Stepped up to the plate. Let me put it that way. He stepped up to the plate. And we Christian men, praise the Lord. Let's be faithful to step up to the plate. Praise the Lord to do those things that's right with God. Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Of course, David killed Goliath. You well know the story. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. This was in the Persian Empire after the Babylonians had fallen to the Persians. And, and the, there had been two return captivities out of, out of Babylon and then finally out of Persia that went back to Jerusalem and they rebuilt the temple and they rebuilt it. Years had passed and, uh, you know, finally there were some men who came from Jerusalem and they were Nehemiah's friends and uh, relatives and things. And Nehemiah said, sit down and tell me all about it. And then Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. That means that he would drink everything before the king drank it out of the same cup. And if it was poisonous, he died. The king did. Or he would eat the food first, sample everything the, the king ate, and then gave it. So he and the king had become very close. They'd become good friends. And, uh, but not like a buddy-buddy thing, but because he was just the servant and the king was the king. And so these men from Jerusalem came, some of his relatives. He said, tell me all about how it's going in Jerusalem. I'm so excited. How is the temple and how is the city? Is it, you know, is it beautiful now and rebuilt and all? And they said, hey, Nehemiah, we are sorry to tell you, but the city has not been rebuilt. You're kidding me. After all these years, it's not rebuilt. No, it's not rebuilt. What does it look like? It's still got burnt walls and the gates burnt down and and it's all in shambles and weeds have grown up and thorns and, and, and bushes and it's just nothing. It's, it's bad. And it just takes a lot of work to do it. And he said, what? He said, after all of those trips, nobody's done it. And Nehemiah felt so bad about it. And finally, he went before the king two or three times. The king says, Nehemiah, what's wrong with you? He said, well, I got a little personal situation bugging me, king. He said, tell me about it. What is it? Well, he says, you know, my city of Jerusalem, where I came from, where I was taken captive many years ago, my, my family's were. He said, you know what? He said, they, they're still in shambles. Jerusalem is still burnt down. It's still in shambles and everything. And, and there's nobody doing anything about it. And he said to Nehemiah, Nehemiah, I'm going to send you. You go back in my like as they be, and you can use any of the guards, any of the money that I got on the bank, any kind of assets I've got. You use it, and you get the wall built. 
You get the wall built. And Nehemiah went. Nobody told him to do that. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we see a need and we just do it. We just do it, brethren, because we see the need. There, my pastor got up here in, in the pulpit and told about an orphanage in, orphanage in uh, Africa that was half built. And the kids were just waiting for it to be built because in the rainy season, it rained so much and they, they wanted to get it built before. And the contractor that was built it got it half built and then took off with the rest of the money, which was $8,000 and just took off with it, decided he didn't want to build it. And the kids had an orphanage half built. And when the rainy season comes, they crawl under sheets of 10, 10 sheets on the ground. And they'd sleep under that 10 and trying to stay out of the rain at night. And there's a whole bunch of these kids, a bunch of them. And the pastor told about all of that. There was a man in this church, man in this church that woke up one night on a rainy night in his home. And he thought about those kids over there in Africa that have to wake up with a sheet of tin over them because somebody. And the next morning, he wrote a check out to the pastor and said, here's $8,000 to get that orphanage finished. And it's now finished. And they now have the orphans there. Because somebody just said, I'm going to do it. You understand what I'm saying here? So I'm just saying, brother, praise the Lord. You know, if God puts it on your heart or if you just see the need. Step up to the plate, praise the Lord. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm talking, just talking off my head here, but I'm just saying here, folks, this is what the world needs today is Christian men who would actually take a stand. And finally, I'm going to wrap it up here. I got a couple of minutes. And that is that we are to love our families, love your family with all of your heart. Praise the Lord. Be the head of your family. Amen. And uh, love your wife and children. Love them. And uh, the Bible teaches us to do that. And it says, husbands, love your wives. Uh, the Bible talks about that in Ephesians. Uh, let me just take a moment and read those verses of Scripture to you here. It's found in Corinthians and Ephesians. Let me just read this to you. Verse 28. This is uh, 528, 528 of Ephesians. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hate his own flesh, but cherish and, and nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For this call shall a man leave his father and mother, verse 31, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. And then it goes on to say here, verse 33, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. That is, you know, give him respect and honor and so forth. Then he goes on to talk about fathers, you know, how to treat your children. Verse 4, I won't get into all that. But I'm just saying here, the Bible tells us here to love our families, be good to our children, teach your children. Over in the book of Deuteronomy, it says whenever you're in your home, teach your children the word of God. When you walk down the road, talk about God. When you wake up in the morning, talk about God. Men, be a leader in your family to help your children to know that God is the best thing and the greatest thing that ever came our way. Praise the Lord. God wants us to be that way. And the Lord said that God will never fail us, never leave us. Now, I'm going to conclude. My time is just about gone here. I'm going to read Psalms. And this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I love Psalms, anyhow. But Psalms 1, 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, 
nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Don't be a scornful folk. Don't badmouth people. Don't ever be a badmouther. You know, <laughs> don't be a badmouther. I mean, I don't know. You know, somebody's, I may not always agree with everybody, but I don't know what somebody else is going through, you know. As the old Indians used to say, until you walked a mile and somebody else's moccasins, <laughs> we say shoes. Well, anyhow, it says here, don't be a scornful, verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. This is that the righteous man. It says, blessed is the man. Verse 3, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And that's the word of God. It says that man will be blessed. And I promise you, if we walk with God, brethren, serve the Lord, be faithful men, amen, and fathers to our children and husbands to our wives, and be servants to the Lord, and be faithful in it, one of these days we'll hear the trumpet sound. Hallelujah. Amen. God will call us home. Let's stand together and give God the praise. You've been a great audience here today. I want to say again how much I appreciate the men in this church. You're a good crowd of men. Good bunch. Let's pray together. Praise the Lord. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We magnify your name. Thank you for the privilege to know you, to serve you, to walk with you, Lord. Bless each and every one here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.